Recovery Elevator, episode 54. It's probably been a, se- a series of bottoms over a, a good number of, of years. And each, I think each one, the distance to, to get back up to normality, it always seems a little further to, to climb e- each time. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. According to the Recovery Elevator sobriety tracker on my phone, I have been sober for 17 months, one week, and two days. On today's podcast, we've got Gavin. He's from Manchester, England, and he's going to share with us how he's gotten 100 days of sobriety. And this guy, he's also experienced some physical transformations that he's going to tell you all about. It's awesome stuff. The topic of today's podcast is humor and sobriety, and the inspiration for this podcast topic actually came from Gavin. Gavin joined the Recovery Elevator private accountability groups, I believe, two to three weeks after they launched. There was like 40 to 50 members, I think, in the groups at that time. All of us, including myself, we were hesitant to really put ourselves out there in a group. There weren't a lot of videos, and if there were, they were very safe. They were very conservative. Nobody took any chances or risks, but then there was this guy, Gavin, who put out his video explaining how he forgot his underwear to the gym locker room, and and he did like a 5K with no underwear. I saw the video and just cracked up. And since Gavin really got out of his comfort zone and explained that he was not wearing any underpants while jogging, everybody in the group has followed suit. There have been funny videos, funny posts, funny pictures, funny memes in the group since. If I need a good laugh, I know where I want to go first. It's the Recovery Elevator Accountability Groups. While nothing battles the belief in our inner darkness like levity and ironic humor, the last thing most of us, including myself when I got sober, feel like doing is laughing. Besides, most of us when we get sober share the deep universal fear that if we let our deepest, darker secrets out of the closet, we'll melt the ears off of our listeners and shame everybody, including ourselves. And yet, it's at these moments of total honesty that many of us remember as major turning points in our recovery. When somebody shares something deep and true and real, no matter how embarrassing, it manages to transform secrets into light. It's incredible how that works. It isn't until after we let our deepest and darkest secrets out of the bag that our humor returns. I have found that my humor, my sense of humor, my ability to laugh started to come back in sobriety right around the first month didn't all come back at once. In fact, it's still continuing to return in greater amounts today. I went back a couple weeks ago and listened to episodes two, three, four, five, and six of the Recovery Elevator podcast. And I'm like, dude, Paul, who died? Like what was going on around that time? Because I just wasn't in a laughing mood. For many of us, learning to laugh keeps us from dying. If we succumb to the doom, tragedy, and sorrow lurking behind each dark memory, we'll eventually drown in them self-obsessively blaming ourselves as the sole agents of our self-destruction. That was a line from an article that I read on The Fix, and a link to this article will be on the recoveryelevator.com website, episode 54. We've all got dark memories, and when we share these dark memories in the meetings, and there's no uproar or reaction from the attendees in that meeting, we're like, whoa, 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 I've kept that ticking time bomb a secret for 42 years. There's, uh, That's it? You're just going to let that blow over? No bells, no whistles, no alarms. The lack of reaction is kind of crazy in a really good way. In the summer of 2014, when I was in a deep, dark hell with my alcoholism, I saw hope in other alcoholics' laughter. If they could laugh at lost marriages, DUIs, job loss, bankruptcy, and death, maybe I could eventually learn to laugh too. But I had to get sober first. 
But I was aware that up until the last days of my drinking, laughter had been scarce. Moments where you could not stop laughing? Hell, I haven't had one of those moments in years. Probably five, six, seven, eight years. It just didn't come anymore. That same summer in 2014, my mom made a comment. She's like, Paul, you don't laugh anymore. I used to love the sound of your laugh. In the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, mom, I tried to find the lighter side and some funny moments while spending the night in the Livingston, Montana jail cell in the suicide proof room. But for some reason, a smile just didn't come to my face during those moments, mom. I'm sorry. According to helpguide.org, laughter is good for your health. Check this out. Laughter relaxes the whole body. A good hearty laugh relieves physical tension and stress, leaving your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes after. Laughter also boosts the immune system. Laughter decreases stress hormones and increases immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies, thus improving your resistance to disease. Awesome. Well, not done there. Laughter triggers the release of endorphins, the body's natural good chemicals. Endorphins promote an overall sense of well-being and can even temporarily relieve pain. Laughter protects good health. Laughter improves the function of blood vessels and increases blood flow, which can help protect you against a heart attack and other cardiovascular problems. There also is a link between laughter and mental health. Anxiety-fueled Gary, listen to this one. Laughter dissolves distressing emotions. You can't feel anxious, angry, or sad when you're laughing. Hmm, interesting. Next up, laughter helps you relax and recharge. It reduces stress and increases energy, enabling you to stay focused and accomplish more. Humor shifts perspective, allowing you to see situations in a more realistic, less threatening light. The humorous perspective creates psychological distance, which can help you avoid feeling overwhelmed. You hear that, Gary? Be prepared for some more laughter. In fact, I see the movie Dodgeball with Ben Stiller very close in my future, maybe a couple times. And I'll probably follow that up with some good old Tommy Boy. So on that note, we've got a special You Might Be an Alcoholic If segment today with twice the amount of You Might Be an Alcoholic Ifs. Again, thank you to Megan for compiling these on a weekly basis. I highly appreciate that. And if you want to submit your own You Might Be an Alcoholic If, email them to info at recoveryelevator.com. And these all will be in episode 54 of the show notes on the website. This one is from my man Gavin, the interviewee. You might be an alcoholic if you take a rucksack with you when you go cycling so you can buy beer on the way home. You then hide your stash and drink your first beer in the shower, sometimes your second, third beer too. Love it, Gavin. This one's from Steve. You might be an alcoholic if you pour vodka into your garden hose for later consumption while your unsuspecting spouse thinks you are out enjoying a day in the yard. Awesome. This next one comes from Doug. You might be an alcoholic if you carefully open a shrink-wrapped case of water, empty the bottles, fill them with vodka, and carefully reassemble the case with a heat gun. Then check the case of water into the cruise cabin. You then do the same thing with a case of Nestea and bourbon. Thank you, Doug. That's amazing. This next one's from James. You might be an alcoholic if you take the unfinished bottle of wine out of the skybox at the giant stadium by hiding it in your pant leg socks. This next one is from Lindsay. You might be an alcoholic if you hide your warm beer in the closet and then you go drink it even when you live alone. This next one is from Robin. You might be an alcoholic if you're walking through the streets holding your seven-month-old grandchild in one arm and a third glass of wine covered up with a napkin in the other. Wow, love it. This one's from Colin. You might be an alcoholic if your favorite hobby becomes listening to music while shit-faced in a pitch-black bathroom. Side note, according to the same Colin, the joy of music also comes back in recovery, which is so awesome. This next one is from D. 
You might be an alcoholic if you see a homeless guy walk out of the liquor store with a six-pack of pre-mixes and you think he could have bought some more alcohol with the same amount of money by buying straight-up spirits. And then you think, go big or go home. That, unfortunately, was always my motto, D. Go big or go home. You might be an alcoholic if you regularly invent a new language that only three other people in a bar with you can speak. <laughs> Love that one. Thank you, John. This next one's from James. You might be an alcoholic if all 20 iBooks you own are about alcoholism and recovery. This last one is from an article that somebody sent to me a couple weeks ago, and I transformed this one into a you might be an alcoholic if. You might be an alcoholic if an allegedly problematic passenger on board an Alaska Airlines Boeing 737 bound from Boston to San Diego was removed from the flight after the plane was forced to make an emergency landing in Denver. Heath Montgomery, spokesman for the Denver International Airport, said Denver police and Denver security responded to flight 769, but the disturbance was deemed to be a customer service matter and the man was not arrested. Heath Montgomery said the passenger was not allowed to reboard the jet, which continued on to California. Passengers told media in Denver that the man became agitated when the flight crew told him he could not drink alcohol he'd brought on board with him before the plane took off. Apparently, he was so agitated that the flight crew and pilots feared for the safety of other passengers on the plane. They had to make an emergency landing in Denver. Wow. If anybody knows who this person was, go ahead and tell them you might be an alcoholic. So I highly encourage you to incorporate humor in recovery. So let's get to our interviewee, Gavin. Gavin, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, Paul. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Gavin, let's get right into this. How long have you been sober? Exactly 100 days. Uh, so this and the interview, it was, it was like it was meant to be <laughs> yes. scheduled for today. That's triple digits right there. Nice job, 100 days. Now, before we, uh, before we started the interview, I asked you, your previous best was 30 days, about a month? That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, th thank you very much. Uh, it, if you'd have put money on me doing this, what, 12 months ago and said you'd have 100 days back-to-back -back sobriety, I'd have, I think I'd have left anybody that put that to me out of town. It's funny I, how we won't even bet on ourselves when we get to that state. <laughs> I know fully because I was there. Now, Gavin, before we get into this interview in depth, give listeners a little background about yourself, maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, how old you are, do you have a family, are you married, and what do you like to do for fun, Gavin? Okay, um, I'm 46, I'm married, I have uh, a 15-year-old son, and well, it's coming up to 15 actually, and an 11-year-old daughter. I live uh, Burnley, which is close to Manchester. Um, and in terms of what I do for for fun, um, I suppose now as I'm I'm off the booze running and and hopefully once the weather improves, uh, cycling will be back on the agenda again. I'm looking forward to looking forward to getting back on the bike and and getting some miles in. So those are the the two things I enjoy. I also, I have a little allotment for growing fruit and veg, um, which I'm looking forward to running properly this this year. Properly, yeah. What's your go-to fruit and your go-to vegetable? Um, one of each. If you could only plant one of each for the rest of your life, what would you do? Oh God, um, I know that wasn't on the, would, on the script of questions, but uh, I'm curious. I th courgettes. Um, I, I do like ratatouille, and it's it's pretty versatile. The Disney movie, or is that an actual vegetable? Um, oh, so you'd call it a zucchini, wouldn't you? Oh, In I love zucchini. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, um, 
so yeah yeah that's that's what am i and it and they're so easy to to grow as well how about that fruit you're dodging the question oh fruit <laughs> oh crikey i'd say raspberries yes and yes now gavin let's jump into the podcast title recovery elevator was it a hundred days ago that your elevator hit its bottom or what made you decide it was time to quit drinking over three months and 10 days ago? I think it was a, it's probably been a, a series of bottoms over a, a good number of, of years. And each, I think each one, the distance to, to get back up to normality, it always seems a little further to, to climb each, each time. Uh, so when you have those moments like I'm not going to touch it again and then you're back on it, sometimes it's the same evening and you get those little spells of sobriety. It just seems, um, I don't know, the mountain that you've got to climb seems to grow that little bit taller each time you hit that bottom. And I think that this time I felt a bit like a boxer on the on the ropes. And in the past, when I've, when alcohol's had me on the ropes, uh, the voice inside my head being the coach, get back up and you can you can take it, um, get back up and fight it, um, and in which case I carried on drinking. And this this time I just thought enough and I threw in the towel myself. I was just so worn out with it all, uh, the lies, the covering it up, uh, and then dealing with the anxiety attacks that, you, that I used to get uh, the morning after, feeling really shaky. I was just running out of steam with it all. Gavin? I love what you said about a boxer on the ropes and you finally threw in the towel because I know what you mean, Gavin. I was a boxer on the ropes for about a decade, right? And I kept trying to dodge. I kept trying to duck. And occasionally, occasionally I'd throw a punch against his addiction. It would land. And I'm like, you know what? I I think I got this thing for a month or two. And sure as shit, you know, I'd just get uppercutted, like punched in the groin, even when that's illegal in boxing. That's what it felt like. And like you said, you were just sick and tired, right? You were worn out. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you said, when you're at the bottom, that mountain just looks a little bit higher, right? Talk to me about that progression, how the bottom was just a little bit lower each time, right? Yeah. Let's see. Certainly the last 15 years it has been probably then acknowledged I've I've got some, some sort of a problem. And I think each time you just take away that little bit more out of yourself obviously uh drinking at the at those sort of volumes over a good number of years obviously does physical damage as as well as mental damage to yourself and can you explain the volumes what you mean by that for the listeners and and i'm curious too is volumes like the quantity of alcohol how much did you drink i did used to do spirits when i was i suppose in close to 15 years ago was uh, it was getting Maybe uh, on a good night or a bad night, uh, over a over a bottle of vodka, I might have a, a few beers as as well. But because I did a bit leaner, did a bit more running, then I thought uh, a vodka is uh, fewer calories in it than than beer. Uh, that's how messed up the alcoholic brain is, isn't it? Um, he, yep. <laughs> for someone with a a modicum of in, intelligence, I. I got a degree in geophysics so I like to think I'm not stupid but on so obviously on certain things I can cob myself with the old uh, yeah that's a healthier choice of uh, getting smashed than than uh, 20 pints of beer absolutely insane really 
Gavin, this is two weeks in a row that approves the point that this disease, alcoholism, does not discriminate. The person that I just got done interviewing before this interview, he was a lawyer. He's age 52 or 55. He's at the top of his game, and the man is brilliant. Geophysics, that, that's incredible. That tells me that it doesn't matter if you're super smart or you just don't have all the crayons in the box. Anybody can be affected by this disease. Now, Gavin, I got to say thank you for something, and you might get embarrassed by this. I met you in the Recovery Elevator Accountability Group, and I think it was about two to three months ago. You posted a video about running without underwear. Am I correct on this? Yes, I did. (laughs) And I don't know if you were trying to be funny or not, but it was one of those days where I just needed a laugh, and I saw your video and I started cracking up on so many levels. I mean, here's this guy in the UK. I mean, it was it was dreary, it was cloudy, it was rainy, and you're you're running with no underpants, and I am cracking up. Tell me more about that day. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you had pants um, on. You weren't running naked. Yeah, so I'd gone, I'd gone to the the shower room um, to get to get my running kit on, and ninety nine point nine 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 percent of days, uh, there's a the spare pair of underpants in there, so I can get changed into something for running in and slip on the the day wear ones and therefore not be quite anti not too antisocial when I go back into the office oh yeah anyway this day I uh, forgot them so I thought well I've almost got my running gear on anyway might as well let's go commando and and run and it was just part way around I think I might have done maybe my first month and I was going to post a video part way through the run and then I don't this silly whim came into my head <laughs> as sometimes they do and yeah I didn't didn't probably hit the edit button before and uh, anyway the mischievous side of me took over and thought let's go for it and make a bit of a clown of myself and and, and that was it uh, so I'm glad it did brighten up people's days and it was partly to show that it, although getting clean and sober is a serious business uh, Sometimes it's good to good to have a laugh and good to have a laugh at ourselves as well in the bargain. Absolutely. And that video was a catalyst for so many videos to follow because that group started about a month before or maybe two months before you posted that video. And the majority of videos, they were, they were serious, right? And there was not a lot of comedy shed on recovery, which like you just said, recovery is a very serious topic. But if you if you involve comedy and just simply laughter, it, it makes it easier. And that day, I needed some laughter. So thank you for that. And another thing, I've seen these videos, Gavin. Let's talk about a physical transformation that has happened in the last 100 days. How many pounds? No, correct that. How many stones have you lost since you quit drinking? Just about two or three pounds short of two two stones. And a stone is what? Uh, 50 pounds? That's f- I'm just kidding. Stone <laughs> Uh, 14, uh, so it'll be about 25 pounds. Of, Are you kidding? Uh, I've, 25 uh, pounds? I've shifted, yeah. I thought you looked slim just because you never never wear any undergarments, underwear or undershirts, but that's that's not the fact. 25 pounds? Yes, yeah. How do yeah, you I've feel? Gone, I think the energy stuff is just starting to, to kick in a bit. This week I'm trimmed off about 20-odd seconds per mile off um, my three mile and my five mile runs which I'm absolutely thrilled with so I've set myself some little goals in terms of at the end of the month I'm gonna for a three mile run I expect to do 
so many minutes per mile. I'm getting close to hitting me my end of month target for January, so it's good to to have those things to to push myself towards. But I'm not going to give myself a good kicking if I don't quite get there. Yeah, absolutely not. But Recovery Elevator is all about accountability. So let's create some right now. What is your target goal for your mile run? Okay. So when when I did start running, I was uh, close to 11-minute miles. I've broken the eight-minute mile barrier on my three-minute run. I think it was seven minutes 40. So I'm I'm hoping, let's say, by the end of July, so 31st of July, I'm aiming for under seven-minute miles for my, for my three-mile run. Yes, we heard it here. Let me know if that happens at the end of July, and I'm sure it will, simply by just being lighter and slimmer. That's, you got a good chance of that. Now, Gavin, talk to me about your drinking before this 100 days. Were there ever times when you used your geophysic intelligent brain to concoct some sort of plan to control your drinking? For example, no beer before 5 p.m.? Yes, I, d- I did have a, a limit on that, and and on on work days, more often than not, I achieve that. Occasionally, it might be a, a quick swifty at, at lunchtime with a with a couple of colleagues. I didn't go overboard because of driving and, and what have you. But then that set me up for wanting to carry on in the evening. Then, so once I'd once I'd had one or two at lunchtime, then even if even if this was kind of the a morning after the night before, and oh, I'm not drinking. Then my colleague will come round. Do you fancy a beer at lunchtime? Yeah, you bet. So we'll hit the pub, have a couple of beers, go back to work, and then once the appetite's been wetted, that's it. I know that I'm going to go and get some more stuff to uh, to top up that lunchtime drink. Talk to um, me more about that. Once the appetite has been wetted, have you been able to quit drinking easily after you start? No, many's the time I've kind of after a, a ropey half a day at work and then you kind of just about coming to at lunchtime and kind of look, this is it. We need, we need, we've got to stop doing this, got to get my shit together. I'm done with drinking. And then what, eight o'clock the same, same night. Once one's gone down, as sure as shit, there's going to be plenty more go down rather than one. Yeah, it was always impossible to stop oh, at one. I, I heard it. It was yeah, impossible, and I know that feeling. And you said work earlier. Just out of curiosity, what, you know, what does somebody in geophysics do? Do they physically move geological objects? What do you do in a day? Um, oh well, um, sadly, um, I discovered alcohol, but I did get get my degree, but I never ended up working in that field. So I, I, I suppose uh, most people who you know, go on and as geophysicists uh, may well be employed by oil, oil companies to do the uh, radar sounding and, and that kind of stuff to see what's under the, uh, to find all the good places to, to drill sure. or maybe for iron mining and that kind of stuff. So uh, mining mining and oil companies use them a lot, using uh, physical techniques in order to find out what's where the, where the Earth's wealth is. <laughs> Well, I, I hear that industry struggling right now, so maybe it's a good thing you're not working in the oil industry at this very moment. <laughs> now, Kevin, let's back it up 100 days from now. How did you do it? I am so curious to hear. Well, that, that morning once I decided to, to throw the towel in because there were not going to be any uh, rocky 
heroics in that boxing match, um, and it was time to walk away. And describe Phil um, Collin. What does that mean? I'd, I'd, I'd had enough. I was, I was just so tired. Yeah, I, I, I got to a point of uh, desperation, really. I'd read an article a couple of weeks ago in a in UK paper. This uh, journalist had been dry for 12 months, and one of the things she said as part of it was listening to to podcasts and people's stories. So I must somehow, somehow I must have remembered that that morning and started searching my phone for, for podcasts when I got to work and came across yours. I liked what I heard. I liked the engaging style that you interviewed people with and that 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 was me hooked luckily i've got the kind of job where i can shove my headphones in and still do some actual work as well i think i soaked up about five that day but that that is what i what i needed and i would have had a word with my, with my boss as well that day but unfortunately she she was off and i had to wait another 24 hours to create some accountability at work oh tell me about that Although no one, although my manager hasn't noticed any discernible changes in my work and, and attitude towards work, I, I, I knew deep down they were there, and I just needed to get someone on physically on side that has not had broken promises and, and lies being told to them. Which, although my wife is very much on my side, I'm a, the boy that cried wolf. When it comes to I'm going to get sober this time, this hard, oh, but this time I really mean it. So it was nice for somebody not to have that baggage of failed expectations and and things not being delivered when they've been promised. And she was really good about it. Hang on, broken She's... promises and lies. How long have you been telling your wife that you want to quit drinking? Oof, that must be. Oh, it must be over a decade, at least. Okay. Yeah, we're, talk- we're talking a long time. Uh, initially trying to control it, and oh, it'll only be weekends, and mm-hmm. that, uh, eventually bad habits creep in again, and you start sneaking in another night, another night, and before you know it, you're back to the seven day- seven days a week. And now, you know, is, is, is this Gavin 2.0 in your wife's eyes with 100 days sobriety? You're a couple pounds short of losing two stones. You're just shoveling down ratatouille, zucchini, probably eating healthy, setting goals. In her eyes, are, are, are you cured? She knows that um, I've got to commit to that. That's it. I can't pick up a, a drink again. Mm-hmm. I suppose the next big test is going to be uh, holidays, which was always, in fact, that's when... <laughs> the rule what what little bit bit of rule book I had left was was torn up. So any any time is drinking time and and all the rest of it. I think I've did one of them. Uh, you know you're an alcoholic if there's a few times I've had a bottle of water uh, by my by my sun lounger, which uh, I think was quite a a cheeky G and T. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose quite a large measure, seen as it'd be a one liter water bottle talk to me about gavin 2.0 what is life like right now it is getting better i'm trying to deal with depression and anxiety side of things which in a way is a good thing because it shows that i'm not feeling numb anymore mm-hmm. so if i've had a crap day at work or had a slight difference in opinion with with my wife on what job needs doing on the house next and that kind of stuff 
that I'm not going to drink the pain away or anger away or anything like that and, and deal with it as it as it comes. Uh, also to, to learn not to be too harsh on myself. Uh, and I suppose another thing I am trying to learn is not to build up a huge wall around my, myself. The old, a man cannot be an island. That's got me into a, a lot of a lot of trouble. And actually, it's to some degree self-imposed loneliness, <laughs> if you if you like. But that was part of fueling my habit because I didn't want anybody to see me doing that. Even family, yeah, I might just let them see me with the social side of drinking on holidays. But when it came to shoveling down as much as I could um, in the time I had available. That was kind of my own space and, and time to do that. And I did have that wobble when I was probably thinking I was caning the replacing one addiction with another with um, Facebook and the, some of the interactions. I was checking my phone all the time as, as part of the group, but that, that has been an essential part of my recovery. And I almost threw all that away by thinking I need to curtail this and feeling the only way I could do it was to go nuclear and close down my account and I think I, I recognised within a week that I'd made a, a big mistake. Luckily Robert had exchanged email addresses with Robert and in that email exchange he said you'd go back in the group and I'm grateful for that advice because I think had I have withdrawn and gone back into myself there'd have been a a strong probability of all those bad habits creeping in and and then reaching for a bottle. Gavin, we are better in numbers. And I think that's what you just said, because I've done the same thing. It's like, oh, I'm sober, but I don't need to go at AA meetings. I don't need to be involved with other alcoholics because I'm sober. I'm good. I got this alone. And sure enough, my addiction starts chatting with me. And you came back into the group because I wondered. I was like, where, where is Gavin? I missed these videos. This guy is great. And then you came back, and we were so glad to see you. And Gavin, I really like the answer to the question that I asked you previously about what's life like now in recovery. It was honest. It was sincere. A lot of times I ask that question, and people just go off the rails of how amazing life is. And I don't discount the answers and think they're not true, but I really appreciate the sincere answer. You're saying life is getting better, but guess what? I'm still dealing with anxiety and depression. And guess what, Recovery Elevator? I've been sober over 16 months. Anxiety and depression, they're still part of my life. However, Gavin and I have something in common. That is, we have 0% chance of getting over our depression or living with our depression if we're coupling that with alcohol. So facing life sober with a group of other like-minded individuals, we've got a great chance of beating this. So I just want to say thank you for that honest answer. And Gavin, tell me about your recovery portfolio. What is a day in the life of Gavin look like tomorrow on day 101 of staying sober? Right. I'm hoping to, first thing first, will be um, trying to squeeze in five-minute meditation. The second thing will be making a, a juice that I'll drink before I go running because I'm planning to do a run tomorrow as well during lunchtime and, and get out. Try and get my mind a bit more active at, at work because I've probably been a bit spaced out with with things for a, for a while, certainly in, in the early periods of recovery and try and focus on getting my mojo back at work. 
and then keep up with the with the therapy sessions I'm I'm having as well, and the, I've got some workbooks on that, and do the do the work that I've got to do for that, and also I'll be doing a meditation at night as well. I'm using uh, an app, and it, I think it was one Michael Hilton talked about Calm. That okay. I've got on my phone, um, so I'm using that. Um, in fact, I had a med- meditation session tonight, and we've got a. There's a Buddhist monk in Burnley that has a small group um, a few times a week, but Wednesday night suits my diary. So just had a couple of couple of hours meditation tonight, um, which is which has been great. Actually, perhaps chilled me out because I've usually get nervous about doing this kind of stuff and and maybe sharing some of the per- personal stuff of my life, and I'm not not always being comfortable with, but I figure. That trying to be open and and honest. If it if it helps at least one one person, one person only, then that to me is is a result. That's why um, I, I suppose uh, when you asked me to tell my story, that uh, I wanted to do it, even though I, I know I'd get nervous as hell. But um, I've... <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 damn it, Gavin! I can tell you right now, you've already helped one person stay sober, and that's me. And you've helped me stay sober for however long you've been part of that group. And, and that, that's no BS, 100%. Now, Gavin, we have reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be great. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Number one, Gavin, what was your worst memory from drinking? Now, one that comes to mind will be um, puking in a wardrobe while um, on holiday. I'm just Done a coach tour around Europe with my wife. Uh, this was in, in the days before we had children. Uh, had a nice evening meal at uh, Dijon. Um, had a couple of glasses of wine, and normally that should, for most people, that would have been enough, and they'd go back to the room. Uh, but I said, "Oh, I've seen a nice bar around the corner." To my wife, I said, "I'm tired with all the travelling. Go back to bed." And I went to the bar and got absolutely hammered. And mistook the bathroom. Well, mistook the uh, wardrobe for the bathroom. Um, oh, wow! And and then just as we were getting on the coach the morning after, I'll try. Sorry, I've gone well over the minute already. No, no, I'm, I'm um, loving it. Keep going. <laughs> um, I got this bill, which no doubt was some uh, some chambermaid's gone into the room and what have you, because and kind of it was no doubt a cleaning up bill, and my my wife was embarrassed and disgusted with me and. Quite rightly, so I probably look back on it and, and chuckle a bit now. But Gavin, did you yeah. say Dijon, France? Yes, I have been there, and my brother taught English for six months, and I have I've been there. We probably drank at the same bar because I got hammer faced in Dijon, France. Oh my gosh, I was a. This is a very embarrassing story, and I'm just going to throw it out right now. <laughs> you might be an alcoholic if. You're at your your brother's best friend's bachelor party. You get way too drunk and you crap your pants. That's a true story. And that that might be the first time I've ever told anybody besides my brother. Oh, my gosh. That just happened. Let's keep going right now and fast. And we cannot go back. Absolutely. And Ty, don't edit that out. Oh, goodness. Okay. Next question. What's your plan in sobriety moving forward, Gavin? I think to watch out for um, any drink triggers that I might have missed. Keep up with the, the exercise and, and make more make more time for family time because I owe my wife and children a lot of back pay on, on that. 
so to enjoy as much family time as I possibly can. I love it. And Gavin, what's your favorite resource in recovery? It would have to be the, the podcasts. Um, I've learned a lot from listening to to people's different stories, and I enjoy being part of the recovery group. And I think that first day of podcast saved me from from myself. And yeah, I don't want to consider what the consequences of, of that may be. But yeah, the group has been a mainstay of, of that. And I've possibly got an apology for people that maybe tried to friend me and I shrugged them at the time I was going to cancel my um, Facebook account. I'm not going to name names, but the people that, people will know who they are. And I, I owe, owe an apology to anybody who was a friend uh, on, on Facebook or sent a friend request and I'd yeah, and I don't Didn't even think respond apologies was... are even needed. I and mean, those those are boundaries, and that's that's your group and your personal Facebook page. I I get it a hundred percent, Gavin. Next question, Gavin. In regards to sobriety, what's the best advice you've ever received? I would say be honest with yourself, but don't beat yourself up about it. This is, as we said earlier, it is a serious business, um, and can be a, a matter of, of life and, and death. Hell, um, I lost a colleague this year that I knew was a heavy drinker and, yeah, and one day he didn't turn up for work the next day because he, he passed away. And even then, I, that, I carried on drinking and you'd think that would be a, a wake-up call and wasn't. So whilst we've got to be honest with ourselves, the thing that we do, that we're all most of us are guilty of us with our diseases, uh, giving ourselves a good kicking into the bargain as well. Hmm. So that is not a healthy state of mind. You can't resolve any of the problems while you're in that state. Easier said than done, though. No, no. And Gavin, sorry to hear about that loss of a close friend. And last question, what parting piece of guidance? And I kind of think you said a little bit of it. Don't beat yourself up and get honest with yourself. But what parting piece of guidance? Can you give to listeners who are thinking about getting sober or are in early recovery? I would say if, if you're thinking about giving up drinking or in early recovery is to think about any potential drink triggers and, and eliminating them. And one of mine, a couple of times when I was doing up my son's bedroom and spending quite a lot of hours doing some physical work, but I wasn't drinking water while I was doing that and topping up my, my fluid levels. And so I was getting thirsty. And traditionally, once I'd done a hard day's graft like that, it'd be reach for, reach for a beer because you've earned it. And that was kind of, I could have killed for one actually after after those days of, of working like that. But real, what it was, was it was real thirst and I just needed water. And sometimes that craving for a, a drink, sometimes... As, is just just the same with any other triggers that you've got is to try and if you can't eliminate them at least manage the risk and i think we've talked about having a bailout plan if you've got a function to go to that you take the car and then you can get in it and drive away without drinking if it's getting too heavy i think that's it's to be wary of those triggers yeah, perfect. And Gavin, before we close out, give listeners your own personalized you might be an alcoholic if. You might be an alcoholic if you actually view the re- four weeks recovery period from a hernia operation as a free pass to, to drink all day because you're not allowed to drive when, when you've had that. So any time was, 
was drinking time. Rotator cuff surgery, 2008. Check. I know exactly what you're talking about, Gavin. Gavin, thank you so much for helping me stay sober. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Thank you, Paul. Great stuff by Gavin. And now let's hear from our sponsor, Sober Nation. Sober Nation is the largest online recovery community and treatment resource center. They provide treatment resources to those struggling with addiction as well to family members who are caught in the crossfire. On top of that, Sober Nation is a huge community of good people who share their experience with each other. They have informative content, recent recovery and addiction news, as well as an entire clothing line, which helps expand the culture of recovery. They can be found at www.SoberNation.com. Once again, that's SoberNation.com. March 5th, we've got a meetup in San Francisco. RSVP at RecoveryElevator.com. Go to the meetup section. It's going to be a lot of fun to put some faces to some names. In episode 52, I talk about the PCVBs or the Paul Churchill value bombs that I had learned after one year of podcasting. Number one was avoid isolation like the plague. There is not one, but now 10 Recovery Elevator private accountability groups divided up by region. Go to recoveryelevator.com, submit the submission form under the meetup page, and pick the region that you want to be part of. Avoid the terminal uniqueness like we heard from last week's podcast. Don't tell yourself, look, I got nothing in common with the people in these groups. I encourage you to get outside of your comfort zone and join the herd. Once again, Peru, October 6th to October 16th, we've got eight spots left. We are going to be doing volunteer work with the Peruvian Hearts nonprofit out of Denver, Colorado, in some of the high-altitude mountain towns in the Andean region in Peru. Oh, yeah, and I guess while we're down there, we're going to hike the Inca Trail and check out Machu Picchu. It's going to be a great time to hang out with some other alcoholics, expand your recovery network, oh yeah, and check off a bucket list item in life. This is going to be my third time going down to Machu Picchu. If you've never been down to Peru or done the Inca Trail, you got to do it sometime. What better time than this time? You're probably saying, how am I going to fund a trip that's probably going to cost around $3,000? Well, open up your recovery elevator sobriety tracker and see how much money you've saved. At this moment, I have saved almost $8,000. My trip is paid for almost three times. How awesome is that? Recovery Elevator, we took the elevator down. Got to take the stairs back up. We can do this.